0: Hello, you're listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. My name is Reverend Nick Phillips, and today we are looking at Mary's Magnificat, found in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 55, on this final Sunday of Advent. Would you join together with me in prayer? Lord, as we enter into your presence this day. May the stars shine in our hearts as we follow our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. Seems like a lot of the time we, we downplay the importance of background characters especially those we may see as vulnerable or weak or someone who doesn't have a lot to say or or maybe only a limited part of the of the scene or the play but sometimes stories just don't exist without the support of a supporting cast i mean orchestras can't operate without a multitude of instruments a good movie without supporting characters is rare a church cannot function without volunteers. Think of a, if, if a grocery store only hired checkout staff. There'd be a lot of empty shelves and a parking lot full of shopping carts. A restaurant, if it only hires wait staff, would have people pounding on a kitchen door, hungry and angry. We need supporting characters. Without supporting characters, volunteers or whatever, people behind the scenes, we would not be a complete society. And sometimes we need to appreciate these background characters a little more than we often do. I think sometimes Mary fits into this category as a supporting character. So often we in the mainline churches, and if you look at the evangelical churches, we kind of downplay the role of Mary in the Christmas story. We know she's important, we know she's been chosen by God, but do we really take time to appreciate her? I mean, the Catholics certainly do make a big deal out of Mary, and sometimes we may think it's over the top at times, but she's worth it. She is important. She's an important character in the story of the birth of Jesus and his life. Mary is traditionally known as a young woman in her early teens. She's been chosen to be married to Joseph. Now, we may think that's too young to be getting married and starting a family, but it's the normal thing of that day. You have to remember that the average lifespan of a person in in that time is at best 40 years. Now, if you take out the fact that a lot of child, children die in infancy, that number jumps to about 50. This goes to show how many children pass away as well. So considering that people of that day have significantly shorter lives than what we're used to, there's a biological need for families to get married young and start having families, start having children. And it usually starts not long after a girl reaches sexual maturity. So, for Mary to be pregnant at such a young young age, while we may think it is criminal today, that's no big deal for that time. For her to become pregnant before marriage, though, that is a huge deal. Which, for even in the Western world today, it wasn't that long ago it was still frowned upon to have children before you're married. So yes, Mary is young. Yes, she is a virgin. Yes, she is engaged to be married. These are all normal for her age in that time. It's the pregnancy before marriage part that is a problem. That is the issue for wider society in that time. That's the shocking story, the shock of the story of Mary. We also tend to see Mary as weak, as vulnerable, and even in the midst of this Me Too movement today, I've even seen her portrayed as a victim. When we look carefully, though, at the birth narrative of Jesus, especially when we look at Mary in the Gospel of Luke, we do not see any of these character traits. She's not weak. She's not vulnerable. She's not a victim. And so today we pick up with Mary traveling to see her cousin Elizabeth, who is also miraculously with child one who was thought to be barren, unable to have children, and now she's even in her older years. It was certainly not expected that Elizabeth would have a child, the child we now call today John the Baptist. So Mary, though, makes this long journey all by herself as a young woman carrying her first child all the way over to see Elizabeth for several months. Now, would someone weak? and timid, and vulnerable make such a journey on their own at that point in their life? I think not. And what about her speech that she gives? What, what we call today Mary's Magnificat. And the question is, why do we call it the Magnificat? Well, you need to look to the Latin for that, because that is the first word of her, out of her mouth as she speaks. She says, Magnificat, anime, Mea Dominum, or what we read this morning, my soul magnifies the Lord. This is Mary's praise, her song, if you will, to God, to the Lord as she has received confirmation once again from Elizabeth that the child she is carrying is very special. Just by walking into the house and Mary calling out words of welcome, as Elizabeth hears those words, the child in her womb leaps, and then Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she speaks words of blessing over Mary and her unborn child. And then Mary responds with what we call the Magnificat. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me Blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. That's how she starts. It doesn't sound to me like Mary is depressed. She's not feeling attacked. She's not even worried by the signs of it. I take from those words she's feeling encouraged, strong, joyful, that God has chosen her, of all the women in the world, to carry his special child. She continues And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. I think what we're seeing here is that Mary has a pretty good understanding of how God works in the world. She is a woman of faith. She is a humble servant of God. She realizes God has not come for the strong and the proud, but instead he has come for the faithful and the humble. He has come for those who hunger him, not physically, but spiritually. In other words, he has come for people just like her. And she finishes with, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary also understands God's history with his people. She remembers stories of how he helped Israel throughout the generations, generations of her ancestors, all the way back to Abraham. Mary's words of praise recorded in the Gospel of Luke is a great show of not just faith, But it's a bit of a sermon of its own, speaking of what it truly means to be a child of God. We learn from her we're not to be proud or mighty, depending on our own authority. We are to be humble. We're not to be rich with possessions, but to be hungry in our spirit for what God has to offer us. We are to remember our God is a God of mercy for those who seek him. God's not asking us to give up who we are. He's asking us to receive what He has to offer. And what does He have to offer? Well, we've been celebrating it all month long. God is a God of hope. He's offering hope, peace, joy, and love. He's also offering mercy and forgiveness. He's offering all of these things through the humble birth of His Son, born to a strong woman of faith. God has chosen wisely as we expect he would. He has chosen a woman who would bravely carry his child in precarious circumstances at risk of her own life as she is soon to be but not yet married. She will carry the child throughout this scandal, the scandal that hovers over her, a scandal that that could cost her her life if the wrong people found out. God has chosen a young woman who will travel widely in order to protect this child, not just to go visit family, but she will flee all the way to Egypt in order to save his life from a a raging and jealous king. And then she moves back when things appear to be safe. God has also chosen a woman strong enough to follow her son around the countryside as he does his ministry. When Jesus is walking the earth, telling the stories and healing people as we know him most, as we read about him most of the year. She is now a woman in her 40s. And remember, the lifespan of an average person in that time is probably around 50. So she is late in years in her life, and she is following her son around. She follows him, and she even witnesses his death, his cruel death. His execution on a cross. And she sits and watches. She watches this execution knowing full well her son is innocent of any charges that are laid against him. She, of all people, know that he is perfect and he is sinless. So Mary is a strong, strong woman. A woman of deep faith. A woman who trusts God maybe more than most anyone else. Trusting that God's plan is the right plan, the only plan that will bring salvation to the world. And so on top of all that, what else can we learn from Mary today? Well, There's a few ways we can look at it. One, we see that God can use anyone, literally anyone, to do His work. Most of that work will be far safer than what Mary has had to endure. So are we willing to humble ourselves before the Lord and let him have control over our lives? Are we willing to be like Samuel when God speaks to him in the dark of night with words of wisdom for his life? Are we able to utter the words that he said, which are, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. God is looking for humble servants to do his work, his great work, It may not be as glamorous as carrying his child, the savior of the world. I'd say there's only one woman strong enough to do that. But there's much other work that needs to be done in the name of the Lord. We sometimes hear the words spoken, the war on Christmas, as if the world around us is trying to take away the images, the songs, and the stories that we so love to share this time of year. I don't believe it is a war on Christmas yet. I don't think anyone is trying to take it away. We can still share our stories, our songs. No one is going to be waiting outside the church for me on Christmas Eve to arrest me because I've spoken of the name of Jesus. It's not a war on Christmas. I think today we could call it the forgotten Christmas. We've forgotten the stories. We've forgotten the songs. They haven't been taken away from us. We've forgotten them. People are so caught up in the spending and the receiving, they've forgotten the original story. The story of a life brought into the world to be traded for our own. It is through the life of Jesus and by His death by which we are saved. Another way to look at the story of Mary is to see her example and learn from it. Mary, a woman of deep faith, humbly submitting herself to the will of God, trusting that he knows what is best, even if it may cost her everything she knows. Mary ends up separated from her family because of this scandal. Mary ends up alone with her husband and the child in the midst of the political chaos that forced upon her by his birth. This is unheard of for people of that time. Children are to be raised in community, together, not running from place to place like a refugee, just so their son can survive the threats put upon his life. None of us should ever have to face such troubling circumstances, but Mary endured it because she knew it was part of God's plan. God's plan for our own lives may not be so fraught with peril that that Mary had faced, and personal cost, but what are we willing to do? What are we willing to give up when God calls us to follow His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, the one born in a manger? Mary gave birth to the Savior of the world, this young woman full of faith, carrying the emotional and physical strength that is required to follow God's plan for her life. Her life that gave life to God among us. What a powerful story Mary has given us. Before she even fully knew of what the full cost would be, she took on the risk because of her faith and her trust in God. Trust. Trust is such a big thing to have, knowing that God has the best in store for all of us because He gave His Son for us. Trust is a huge character issue for many people because we're often told in the world now, don't trust anyone, don't trust anything. Trust only yourself. Mary could have felt the same way as a young woman. Could she trust But when God spoke through the angel who told her she was chosen by God for a very special task, a very special role, she trusted, even knowing at the time it would be of personal cost. And ultimately, it cost her everything. Are we able to trust? Are we able to trust that God has given us a gift, a gift of mercy? a gift of life, a gift of hope, peace, joy, and love, a gift born for all the world. Are we open to receiving what God has to offer us today? Let us pray. Lord, you have given us an incredible gift, a gift of life, a gift of hope, peace, joy, love. All these things we crave in our lives this time of year, it seems. We crave it all year long, but maybe just a little more right now. And so help us, O God, to see the gift that you have given wrapped in swaddling cloths, born in a manger. A gift of all these things we long for. And may our spirit's hunger be quenched as we receive this gift of this child. May we trust, may we have the strength, the faith, and the humbleness to receive this gift. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Be Still and Know. A ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. To learn more about our ministry, please visit our website www.carmenunited.ca. May God bless you this day.